the writer's brain advantage. Recently, evolutionary psychologist Robert I. M. Dunbar asked himself the question we've been wrestling with from the beginning. Considering that the ability to appreciate a story is universal, why are good writers so rare? His research reveals that one of the key factors revolves around something called intentionality. This boils down to our ability to infer that someone else, what someone else is thinking. In a pinch, most people can keep track of five states of mind at once, says Dunbar, when the audience ponders Shakespeare's Othello, for example. They are obliged to work at fourth-order intentional levels. I, the audience, believe that Iago intends that Othello supposes that Desdemona wants to love someone else. When Shakespeare puts the play on stage before us, he will, in critical scenes, have four individuals interacting. Thus, obliging us to work at fifth level level order, fifth order level, the very limits to which most of us can cope. What makes good writers different? We can hold in our minds what we know and what our characters believe, and at the same time keep track of what our readers believe. Sometimes to the sixth or seventh level, sounds like a video game, doesn't it? So. Especially during rewrite, when you're digging deep, it helps keep track of each character's version of reality. Like a circle in a spiral, like a wheel within a wheel. As the author, you know that you know the big picture. You know what's really going on. You know where the treasure is buried, and where, no matter how diligently the protagonist searches. She'll come up empty. You know who's lied to the hero, and who's told the truth. You know which facts are true and which are not. Your characters, on the other hand, often have no idea of what's actually going on, which means that they'll do things that presuppose an entirely different world than the one they're living in. As writers, this is something we sometimes lose sight of. Because we know what the truth is, and what the future will be, we forget about our, that, that our characters don't. And no wonder, considering that any one, at any one time there may be four or five worlds in play. What does that mean exactly? Well, there's the real world, meaning the objective world within the story. That's the actual, overarching world in which everything takes place. Where things are as they are, sans interpretation or spin. Chances are, none of your characters is completely familiar with this particular world. In fact, they couldn't be, since it is impossible to know absolutely everything about everything, even in a fictional world. Thus, each character knows only a portion of what is really happening. What's more, some of what they know is probably very wrong. And this is often where the conflict comes from. On top of that, each character then puts her or his own personal spin on everything. 
Of course, that doesn't stop the protagonist from acting in the assumption that what he believes is true actually is true, and often he pays a big price for it. For instance, Romeo, fully believing that Juliet is dead when he returns, heartbroken to Verona, pursues the only option he sees as viable. He drinks a vial of poison and very dramatically dies. He has no way of knowing that in two itty-bitty minutes of potion, Juliet swallowed will wear off and she'll yawn and stretch. Then they could have hightailed it out of there and lived happily ever after. In this case, the real world and the world Romeo thought was real were tragically two very different places. Reality Check This brings us to a very helpful set of questions to ask yourself as you begin writing or rewriting each scene. What is actually going on in the story's real world that is objectively? What does each character believe is going on? Where are, the, where are their contradictions? Joe believing that his brother Mark is their dad's favorite is forever trying to win his dad's approval. Mark knows that their dad is really an evil alien, so he has been protecting Joe from him ever since he was born. Given what each character believes is true, as opposed to what might actually be true, how would they act in the scene? Does what each character does in the scene make sense, given what he or she believes is true? In fact, it's a good idea to make a chart for your entire story called Who Knows What When. First, make a timeline chronicling what actually happens in the real world during the span of the story. For instance, Romeo meets Juliet, they fall in love and secretly marry. She asks him to stop a fight between their houses. He tries and ends up killing her kinsman. Her parents betroth her to a man who leaves her cold. Romeo, not knowing that Juliet has been betrothed, flees for the time being. Juliet, with the help of the friar, fakes her death to get out of marrying the other guy, sending a letter to Romeo explaining the plan. Romeo doesn't get the letter, rides back to Verona, finds that she drugged Juliet in the crypt, finds a drugged Juliet in the crypt, and thinking she's dead, kills himself. Juliet wakes up, realizes what's happened, and does likewise. Their chastened families make up. Beneath your overarching timeline, make a corresponding timeline for each major character, charting what they believe is true throughout the story. This will not only reveal exactly where and when characters are at, a, at cross purposes, but also help you make sure your characters' reactions are in accordance with what they believe is true in the moment. Finally, there's one more person whose shifting beliefs you want to chart, the reader. Ask yourself, scene by scene, what does the reader believe is happening? This question is so important that you might even want to close the laptop, get out of your PJs, and head into the real world to test the waters. After all, you now know exactly what readers are hardwired to hunt for, so, they, so you can use them to do reconnaissance for you. Starter Feedback, Priming the Pump before you begin asking for gut-wrenching critiques, anything short of, it's the best thing I've ever read, where can I buy a copy of, or better yet, a case? There's an incredibly helpful type of feedback you can request at just about any stage without having to weather anyone's actual opinion.
What's more, the info it yields tends to be clear, concise, and specific, and even your old uncle Raleigh can give it. Ideally, it's best to recruit friends and family who don't even know what your story is about. All you have to do is ask them to read what you have, what you have and at the end of each scene to jot down the answers to these questions. What do you think is going to happen next? What do you think the important characters are? What do you think the characters want? What, if anything, leaps out as a setup? What information did you think was really important? What information were you dying to know? What did you find confusing? This is as close to real critique as we'll get. Their answers will be extremely helpful in figuring out how much of the story hasn't quite much quite made it from your head onto the page. Not to mention turning up plot holes, logic gaps, redundancies, digressions, and long flat stretches that stop the story cold. But be sure to tell them this is all the feedback you want right now. If you give Uncle Raleigh carte blanche, you might have to hear his theory on how much better it would be if it was set on the planet Zelon instead of the Cinnabon Cleveland, if the hero was an intergalactic warrior instead of kindergarten teacher, and if lots of the big things blew up instead of that one measly fight when Wally threw a handful of sand at Jane during recess. Other people's opinions. But at some point on draft 3 or 6 or 27, you will need to let other people read your story for real. This is because no matter how painstakingly objective you are, how ruthless when it comes to ferreting out digressions, how willing to subject everything in your story to heartless scrutiny, it's still mm, you doing it. And no matter how accomplished you are, the one thing you can't do is read your story as if you've never read it before. It's already there in your mind fully realized before you start reading. Since you know what everything means and where it's really going, how can you possibly tell whether the words on the page are capable of conjuring the same thing in someone else's mind? Someone who has nothing but the words on the page to go on. Remember, the Heath brothers' curse of knowledge? You can't tell your story's effect on a fresh reader because you know way too much. That's why... You have to subject your story to the most merciless thing on earth, a reader's eyes. It could be those of a trusted writer friend, a writer's group, a paid professional, or even better, all three. This can feel a bit like asking the entire neighborhood to take a pot shots at your children while they're playing in the yard all by themselves. And guess what? They will. Readers are more than willing to take a whack at our darlings because of them, because to them, they aren't darlings at all. They're merely the things that get in the way of the story. As humorous Franklin P. Jones famously said, honest criticism is hard to take, particularly from a relative, a friend, an acquaintance, or a stranger.